We're continuing a series we started last week called Imagine. If you missed last week, I'd encourage you to get a CD today or hop online and download it to your iPod or listen online. We talked about Imagine a Changing Church, and I believe it will be an encouragement to your life. Today, I want to talk to you about Imagine a Dangerous Church. Imagine a Dangerous Church. When we started People's Church, I imagined a dangerous church. A church that is a biblically functioning community full of committed Christ followers that is a force in this community and not a farce. I imagined a dangerous church where services weren't boring and monotonous and where people weren't yawning, watching the clock and wondering when it's going to be over. Though some of you still at 1230 yawn on me. Amen. I I gotta get you some different kind of coffee. It ain't working. Praise the Lord. I imagined a dangerous church where there would be 52 unforgettable experiences and people would be captivated and excited about the future. This is church. I imagined a dangerous church that's marked by life change, where the hurting, confused, and broken could encounter the power of God. A place where people would weekly be making commitments to follow Christ. This is church. I imagine a dangerous church where people are giving of their resources and time to serve the poor and hurting in our community. This is church. I imagine a dangerous church where people are delivered from life-controlling habits, a place where people are supporting one another through the ups and downs of life in small group ministry. I imagine a dangerous church where people are discovering their God-given gifts and talents and serving in areas of ministry. This is church. I imagine a dangerous church where people with different skin colors, ages, and backgrounds would come together and worship the King of Kings and be captivated by God's presence. I, I imagine a dangerous church where the preaching and teaching produce a life transformation. I imagine a dangerous church that is tearing down the devil's kingdom and that is aggressively advancing God's kingdom. This is church. And this is our dream at People's Church. It consumes me. It captivates my heart and attention. It it motivates me. And how many of you in this place today would say that you want to be a part of a dangerous church that is doing something great for God? Amen. I, I, I really believe this. I believe that that, that 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 every Christ follower wants to be a part of a church that's doing something bigger than themselves. I believe that every follower of Christ wants to be a part of a church that's making a huge impact in the community. A dangerous church. Every person wants to be a part of a dangerous church. And what I want to talk to you about today is if God's desire for us is to be a dangerous church and churches all around the world to be a dangerous church making a huge difference for God, I want to talk to you about the number one thing, the number one thing that stifles. I've even seen it stop churches from being dangerous. The number one thing. What I want to talk to you about for the next few moments is disunity. Disunity. If you're a guest with us today at this 1230 experience, let me just say right up front, we don't have any problems at People's Church. Things are going great. Uh, We are a unified church. I don't preach this message. I'm not teaching this because of problems. That's not how I normally preach anyways. The reason I preach this kind of message is because I'm a preventative preacher. Amen. It's kind of like your vehicle. 
If you want your vehicle to run smoothly, about every three to 5,000 miles, you need to get an oil change. When I was in high school, I didn't understand oil changes. I drove one vehicle so long, the engine locked up on me. Amen. Should have saw my daddy when he had to come pick me up in Seminole, Oklahoma, because I was stuck there. But anyways, and so here at People's Church, we don't have any problems, but every once in a while, we got to pull the church up, and we got to get a tune-up and an oil change. Amen. So today, we're just rotating the tires and balancing everything, all right? Because things are great. It's wonderful, but God has a great future for us. We got a great future. We got a great dream. This is a dangerous church. And how do we maintain a dangerous church? Jesus said this regarding disunity and how disruptive it is. In Matthew 12 and verse 25 and 26, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. Notice this. Jesus is concerned about the kingdom. It's not what's happening on the outside. It's not the world. It's not the government. It's not the Senate. Jesus is not worried about that. He says every kingdom divided against itself. Internal conflict will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself. Not doesn't matter what's going on on the outside. The problem with the house or the city is it's divided against itself. There's internal conflict. And Jesus says it will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And the answer is, it can't stand. Internal conflict, division destroys kingdoms, nations, states, cities, households, and yes, even churches. Here's what I know about disunity. Disunity is almost always an inside job. Almost always. I've had the privilege before we started this church, I traveled full-time around uh, the nation, around the world, speaking in different churches. And and here's what I've noticed about churches. I've never seen a church destroyed because of a witch or a Ouija board. I've never seen a church destroyed because of an atheist or a devil worshiper or some warlocks came after the church. I've never seen a church fall apart because of that. No, I've seen churches fall apart because internally, inside, they were divided and the church could not stand. Listen, it doesn't matter what's happening on the outside. Unity is it takes place on the inside and disunity is also an inside job. Reminds me of a story. There was a man who was traveling on a ship and he got shipwrecked on a little small, obscure island. And this island, no one had ever lived there before. And he shipwrecked and he spent most of his adult life on this island all by himself. And one day another ship was driving, riding by on the waters and saw this man there on the island and sent a rescue team. And a rescue team showed up on this island where nobody ever lived but this man. And this man was so happy to see another human being. He was pumped up that he was going to get off this island finally. And he said, hey, before I leave with you all, let me show you around. Let me show you how I survived this island all by myself. He said, hey, man, here, here's some of the fruit that I've, I've eaten, some of the food I've eaten to survive on this island. He said, right there, he says, that's my house. I built that house with my own two hands. That's how I survived in that house. He said, that building you see right there, he said, that's my church. 
I built that church with my own two hands. And that's where I've worshipped God for all of these years. And they said, well, what's that third building? He said, well, that's the church I used to go to. <laughs> Sound like people, doesn't it? Amen. <laughs> Disunity is always an inside job. Not the witch, not the warlock, not the atheist. It's always an inside job. And the Lord's blessed us with unity. The Lord's blessed us with peace. And as a church, as we get ready to go into this new season, to a new facility, reaching more people for Christ, how do we maintain the unity the Lord's blessed us with? Four keys today to maintain unity. And I want to talk to you out of Philippians chapter number 2, verse 1 through 3. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. We're just going to walk verse by verse through Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 3 is our key scripture today. The Word of God, or let me just point, point number one is how do we maintain unity? Number one, we must have the proper motivation for unity. The proper motivation for unity. Here's the dilemma. Here's the real problem with unity. We get easily confused about why a church should have unity. I mean, a lot of people are confused about that. If I asked this church, if I, if I polled churches all across the world and said, why should a church have unity? There would be all types of answers. I mean, many types of answers. They would vary. I mean, because a lot of people don't know. They're, they're confused about why a church should have unity. And Paul addresses this question on why we should be unified. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 1 says this, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Notice this, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one, notice this, one in spirit and purpose. He says, be unified. Paul says the proper motivation for maintaining unity has nothing to do with, do I like everything about my church? It has nothing to do with, do my, does my church do everything that I want them to do? Paul knew that those were super, superficial reasons for maintaining unity. He knew if those were the reasons for unity, no church in the whole wide world would ever have unity. Because the truth is this. Nobody likes everything about their church. Nobody likes everything their church may or may not do. Nobody always gets their way when there's a group of people involved. But those are not the reasons to maintain unity. Paul says we ought to maintain unity. If you'll notice in verse 1, he simply says, because God has given us so much. Jesus died for our sins. He talks about how he encourages us, how he, he comforts us, how, how Jesus forgave us. Matter of fact, Paul asked this question. Do you have, do you have any fellowship with the Holy Spirit? And he reminds us of the comfort, of the love, of the fellowship, of the tenderness, of the compassion that Jesus Christ has given us as believers. God has been good to you and I. And our response to all that God has given us should be unity. Paul says, since Christ has given what is precious to us, can't we give back to him what's precious to him? And that's a unified church. 
Why do we maintain unity in the church? Because that's what Jesus wants. Why do we dispel any kind of division? Because that's what Jesus wants. And when a person violates unity, they're depriving our Lord and Savior of the very thing that he desires for his people. And that's to be united. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 17 and verse number 20. He was talking before he was getting ready to go and be with the Father. He was praying a prayer to his Father before he went to sit at the right hand of the Father. Here's the prayer that he prayed. My prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples who walked with him on the earth. He said, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and I. We are, we have believed the same message that the early church believed. Verse 21, that all of them may be one. Everybody shout one. Notice the prayer of Jesus. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, may they be brought, notice the prayer of Jesus, may they be brought to complete unity. He says, I want my church to have unity, to let the world know that you sent me and have, lo- have loved them even as you have loved me. My prayer, Jesus said, is that they would be unified. And because God has given what is precious to us, surely we can give back to him what's precious to him. And that, that, that his church would be one. And here's what Jesus understands. He said the principle that I read to you earlier. Jesus knew that a kingdom, a family, a city, a church divided against itself will not stand. It will never be a dangerous church. Number two, there's a second key for maintaining unity. And as I unpack the rest of this verse, here's what I want you to think. I don't want you just to think about our church. I want you to think about your family, your extended family. I want you to think about your workplace, your friendships. Please hear me today. The principles that I'm giving you regarding unity, they can apply to any arena and area of your life. So as I unpack the rest of these principles, you think about your family, how to maintain unity. Unity. You think about your workplace, how to maintain unity. Point number two. To maintaining unity is this. We must keep the same purpose. Keep the same purpose. Paul says in Philippians 2 and verse 2, that very next verse, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Be one in spirit and purpose. Keep the same purpose. And Paul tells the church at Corinth, the same thing. First Corinthians chapter one and verse 10. He says, I appeal to you brothers in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Keep the same purpose, be united in mind and thought. You know what Paul is letting us in on? He's simply saying that if we're going to be unified, The key is to be unified around the main thing, the main thing. You see, the key is to always keep the main thing, the the main thing. That's the key to maintaining unity. Keep the main thing, the main thing. You see, being like-minded, being one in spirit and in purpose doesn't mean we have to agree about everything. Because the truth is this, we won't always agree. On everything. 
got different up back, up, upbringings, different backgrounds, different ideologies. We'll have different thoughts on things. But here's the issue. You see, division comes when we elevate the non-essential to the place of the essentials. Hear me. Disunity takes place when we elevate the non-essentials to the same place as the essentials. And we get our eyes off the main thing. And I tell you, churches are really good at this. I've seen this a lot in in churches where they elevate the non-essential to the same level as the essentials. And when I was traveling full-time, and unfortunately, not only did I see the good, but I saw the bad and the ugly of church life. And I saw churches split. I heard about churches splitting over stuff that just made me laugh. Literally, I heard and saw churches split argue, fuss, and fight over the color of the carpet. Well, I like it red. I want it to be blue. And they elevate something that's non-essential to the level, the same place as something that is essential, and they split up over it. Disunity. I've seen churches split up and fuss and fight. I mean wars, all-out wars over small groups versus Sunday school. And they arguing and fussing and fighting and split up over something that's non-essential that was elevated to the same level as something essential and disunity breaks out. I've seen churches literally, churches literally split over what they're going to call their leadership. Well, we're going to call them deacons. No, we ought to call them elders. And they fight over that. And I've seen churches split up over something that was non-essential and was elevated to something that was to the place of something essential. I was researching on the internet. Actually, my wife was helping me, and we ran across this church. Uh, true story. You can Google it yourself. Just go on the internet and Google Left Foot Baptist Church. And we, <laughs> we Googled that and talked about this church. True story. According to this article that we read online, this church was called Left Foot Baptist Church, and somebody pulled into this little small community and saw the small town in this little church and and they saw a guy out there working and said how'd you come up with the name left foot baptist church he said well we are foot washing baptists and every time we take communion we wash one another's feet he said well he said we couldn't figure out which foot to start with and we started arguing on which foot to start with and we couldn't agree and so we started left foot baptist church and right up the street is right foot ba- are you kidding me are you kidding me you started another church because you couldn't figure out which funky foot to wash first hello They took something that was non-essential and they elevated it up to essential and they split over it. What I love about this church, what I love about what God is doing in our midst is that we are diversified and unified at the same time. If there should be any church that had disunity and a bunch of problems, it should be people's church. I mean, you think about it. How many churches do you know where the senior pastor is a black man, the worship leader is a white somebody? We've got a couple of them up here now, praise the Lord. And so, huh? And the church is multicultural. 
and everybody's on the same page. How many churches can you can't point to very many across the country? Probably two or three at that. But yet we are unified. And you know why we're unified? Because at People's Church, we're determined to keep the main thing, the main thing. If you want to argue over the color of the carpet, you're at the wrong church, baby. Amen. <laughs> that ain't the main thing around here. I mean, and we are so diversified. I mean, if you talk to folks around here, we are so different in this church. Some of y'all like country music. All my exes live in Texas. Some of you, some of you like rock and roll and heavy metal, and you just heavy metaling up. Some of you like rap music. Hey, hey, and you like rap music. Some of you like R&B, and some of you like gospel. Some of you like contemporary. Some of you like church. We got a little bit of everything. We're a diverse church. And you say, how do you stay unified in this diverse church? It'd be easy to get off track because we're determined to keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He was born through a virgin Mary. He lived a perfect and sinless life. He died on the cross of Calvary for my sins yours. He rose again on the third day. He today, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. And Jesus is the only one who can change the human heart. And this church, red and yellow and black and white, have rallied around the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And that's how this church stays unified. And just in case you're new, around here and you thought you was going to get us off track and start making something that wasn't necessary, necessary. It ain't going to happen, baby. Amen. We're keeping the main thing. The main thing. Number three. Number three. I'm telling you folks, not only does this apply for our church, but it apply to your family. It apply to your workplace. It apply to your friendships. Number three on how to maintain unity. We must live a life of love. Live a life of of love. Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 2, it says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded. Notice this, having the same love, having the same love. Paul reminds us that the church is founded on the love of Christ. God is love, and those who know God should live a life of love. Please hear me. This is so important. Living a life of love doesn't mean that there won't be times when we disagree. That there won't be times that we irritate each other. Friends, can I tell you, when you get a group of people together, even Christian people, and they're together long enough, sooner or later, somebody's going to get on somebody's nerves. I mean, you know that. I mean, it's just, we're, it's just part of humanity. None of us are perfect. We've got different personalities, different thoughts, different backgrounds, and we get it together long enough Somebody's going to rub somebody wrong and somebody's going to get on your last nerve. Matter of fact, how many of you would confess today that somebody at this church right now is on your last nerves? Huh? And, and you rode to church with them today. Amen. Huh? Confession. We get on each other's nerves. We irritate each other. That's part of being family. Part of being family. But hear me. Here's the difference from the world to the church. When we disagree, it shouldn't turn into a battle. When we have disagreements, it shouldn't turn into a war. When we disagree, it shouldn't turn into disunity and chaos and a fight. 
You see, the church, when we have disagreements, we should work through them in love, a spirit of love, that we love one another. We respect one another. Here's what Jesus said in John 13, verse 34 and 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And there are folks who come to church that are mean. You ever met a mean church person? I mean, me, hateful. Huh? I'm talking about, I love the Lord and rolling the eyes at you. And, and the Lord's been good to me. Excuse me? Hateful, mean, nasty. Hear me today. Notice I call them church people. I didn't call them Christ followers. Amen. That's a difference. Amen. You can be religious and not follow Christ. Amen. It says, listen, if you're going to follow Christ, here's a new command. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. A dangerous church is a unified church because a dangerous church is full of the love of God. And there are some of you in this place today that you're carrying bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness. You're trying to retaliate. You're trying to get even with some family member, some co-worker, or somebody at the church. And I'm telling you, listen, listen, listen. It's a sad thing when forgiven people won't forgive people. That's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. And I'm telling you, sir, I'm telling you, ma'am, drop the rock. Quit trying to get even. Respond in love. Let the Lord fight your battle. Don't walk through life with bitterness and hatred in your heart. Forgive and love people. That's what we're commanded to do. That's how we dispel and keep disunity from invading the church. Point number four, there's a fourth key, and I'm closing, a fourth key to maintaining unity. Number four is this. We can't make church all about us. All about us. And that very next verse in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 3, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And boy, that's tough. I always admit it. I'm a selfish creature and so are you. And I have a tendency to think about me before I think about anybody else. That's my tendency. And Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Paul says to maintain unity, I'm telling you, in your workplace, in your home, in the church, this works. He says to maintain unity, we can't make church all about us. Come on, everybody say, it's not about me. That wasn't everybody. Huh? Come on, everybody say, it's not about me. Come on, say it one more time. It's not about me. When did church become about us? This is about Jesus. It's about lifting him up. It's about worshiping him. It's about magnifying him. And if we'll lift Jesus up, he'll draw all men unto him. And it's easy for all of us to make church all about us. It's easy for us to put what we want ahead of what God wants. And that's unity.
and we justify it. We got our excuses of why it's okay. You know, have you ever said, well, I got my rights. I got my rights, and I'm going to let somebody know. I got my rights, and I'm going to let them know. Well, that sounds like you're full of the love of God. Amen. Well, they better do what I want them to do. If they don't do what I want them to do, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. They're going to know how I feel. Sounds like the Holy Spirit's working in your life. If we're not careful, if I'm not careful, if you're not careful, we get full of selfishness. And we make church all about us. And this unity begins to rise in our ranks. Why does Jesus want us to maintain unity? Why? Because a dangerous church, a church that's making a difference for God, is a unified church, rallied behind the cause in the name of Jesus Christ. Why does Jesus want us to maintain unity? Because a family, a kingdom, a city, a church divided against itself will not stand. It just won't happen. I imagine a dangerous church that's full of different skin colors, ages and cultures and backgrounds. And they show up and say, this is different, but there's something special here. I imagine a dangerous church where weekly, week after week, people are giving their hearts to Christ. I imagine a dangerous church where people are being delivered from life-controlling habits. I imagine a dangerous church where different people come together and worship the name of Jesus Christ. I imagine a dangerous church where people will give up their resources and time to serve the poor and hurting in our community. I imagine a dangerous church that's unified and rallied behind the name of Jesus. Lord, thank you for your word.